Good morning, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to our gathered church. Nice to see you all on this sunny day. We are via Zoom. <laughs> Facebook. And Facebook. So um, uh, apologies to those who are wanting to catch up on um, last week's service because we do put things up on YouTube and also podcast, but our um, vast media team uh, struggled to, um, to get it up this week. I mean, say last. I mean, one yes. person. Yes. You. <laughs> so, uh, so, but apologies, but it is also up there now on YouTube for, for last week. If anybody did want to catch up, and also um, this week's will be on as well. So, if you're joining us at a later date, welcome. Don't call this number because we're no longer live. Uh, so, there we go. <laughs> Um, I, I'm, I'm loving the fact that um, that it looks as if we've got some international uh, contingent <laughs> joining us this morning from the uh, from, from the beach. I'm uh, straight. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Uh, I love that, Andrew. Brilliant stuff. Um, well, we've had quite a bit going on. Of course, it's been the Easter holidays, um, and Judy has been uh, arranging a um, some Easter activities and loads of stuff that's been going on. Uh, so, Judy, welcome. Hopefully, you can unmute. Hello. Hey, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. You see Jay in the background there. Yeah, he <laughs> He's so, not staring at his phone. How? So, Judy, tell us a bit about what has um, what has been happening over the Easter holidays. Um, so for four days over Easter, we did the community lunch for families. So it was on a Thursday and a Friday of each week. And we did it with activities this time. So in the morning and sometimes in the afternoon, you could do a walk, um, creative well-being. You could do dance with Becky. You could do a market garden trip up to Root, Con Root Connections. And you could do cooking. So we had children cooking all of the community lunches this week or the, the last four times we've done it which was just incredible we had such a good time and it was really positive and um yeah we saw um I could pull up the number I think we saw over 60 people Fantastic. Uh, we had 70 unique individuals that's um, brilliant and 45 of children and 25 are adults so Great. Well, Judy, was there, is there is there a um, is there a highlight or, or two? I'm sure there are there are many, but there is is there anything that was a bit of a highlight for you over this last couple of weeks? Um, reading the feedback forms was actually quite sweet because it was nice to see how families had connected all those little dots that we put down, and how it was able to encourage them to like be more active and cook in the family in the home, and how to learn how to cook on mass, um, and um, you know hearing the kids say that they want to come back and they want to cook again. Um, it's just incredible and I think Kian now has a bigger team than he did before but they were, were slightly shorter than he's used to <laughs> and, yeah. um, and the kids being like so keen on serving that was quite a a tricky moment because the hot plates are hot and um, also seeing the lambs we got to I got to cuddle a lamb so if you go to my Instagram you can see a picture of me with a lamb that was great <laughs> well they say, they say in uh, in some settings don't they maybe in, in tv world or something they they say don't work with children and uh, and animals you've done both 
yeah. uh, this week, and uh, and I know would heartily say to to do both. Uh, and uh, so, um, and I know that there's been a, a really uh, brilliant team of, uh, of volunteers participating uh, throughout the uh, throughout those um, uh, those activities. And I know that, that a couple of people have, have agreed to um, have a bit of a chat with us this morning. So um, I know Mark and Jackie uh, were were involved over the last couple of weeks. So welcome, Mark and Jackie. Great to see you both. Thank you. Yes, it was it was amazing. Uh, absolutely stunning to see all the children and it's wonderful to see you know at the heart of the gospel is relationship and community and you know that's why we called it connect center and and, and we saw that absolutely amazingly uh, displayed through uh, the volunteers uh, judy's fantastic organization uh, it was just absolutely amazing. And Roz was at, in the kitchen and just, she was a, a power of strength. Talk about power cleaner. Uh, you, you, you don't need, you know, whatever it is that you get get rid of. So you just call Roz. Uh, <laughs> she, she'll, she'll, she'll do that. So it was an absolute privilege, wasn't it, Jay? Uh, it was an absolute privilege. And to see the children, as, as Judy said, to see how that really worked out. Uh, it was just a, a joy and, and a privilege to be a part of that community and to see Connect uh, building relationships and building community. Uh, it was just fantastic. Brilliant, thank you guys. And thank you for, for sharing this morning. And as you mentioned that, how brilliant it was to see the, the kids and everyone in action, uh, in fact, and how wonderful Roz was as well. Uh, in fact, James and, uh, and John uh, have said that they um, would just say uh, something. James and John, I don't, you might need to turn your uh, camera on on Zoom chaps for us to be able to um, uh, to put you live if you would. Um, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll give it a moment. Oh, there we are, here's the fellas. Okay, Hello. come on then. Hello boys, are you all right? Hello. Yes, yep. thank you. I, I, I hear that you have, you, I know that you've been um, involved the last couple of weeks on, on different days or whatever. So, uh, so chaps, from, from tell, tell us, how was it? What, what sort of things did you get up to this, this last couple of weeks? Uh, we did cooking for four of the days. And wow. What did, what did you cook? Uh, we had on the first day, I can't actually remember, but I know, oh no, I believe the first day was um, sausages, um, mashed potato and gravy. Nice. And then, what was the second day? I don't know. Uh, That's one okay. of, the road, we can't remember. Another one of the days we did fish fingers. and uh, the second day. Yeah. Fish fingers and chips in bit uh, in uh, barbecue sauce. Fantastic. Ooh, nice. And uh, then the last one we did was uh, macaroni cheese. So was there? Okay. So just as we before we um, before we crack on with a, a bit of a time of prayer, was was there anything that you really particularly enjoyed about uh, the Easter activities at Connect? The cooking. Yes. <laughs> Well, able to take we know where to come now then. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Thanks for sharing this morning. It's great to see you both. And uh, glad that you had a good time over the Easter holidays as well. And um, uh, that's absolutely brilliant. And of course, in our service this morning, we gather together to 
to worship together, to celebrate together, of course, all of who Jesus is and all that he has accomplished in his life, death and resurrection. And, um, and we do that in lots of different ways, not just on a Sunday, but as we have heard as well, uh, when we're together uh, serving one another and, uh, and celebrating the flourishing of life. And of course, one of the ways that we do that in our time together this morning is through prayer. So we're going to welcome Tony uh, and Yvonne. Or Tony, I know he's going to facilitate us uh, in a time of prayer this morning. Hey, you, Tony. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Yep. Great. Uh, and good morning to everybody else. And we just just commit this um, time in prayer to our, to our Lord. Yes, Lord God, we are met together this morning, perhaps not in the way you would choose, but in the way that circumstances allow, to bring worship to our Lord God, to put our God in his rightful place. You, Lord, are the all-powerful, majestic creator God, and we worship you in awe and in wonder because of who you are. You are worthy of our praise. And we bring you our praise and grateful thanks for all you have done for us in Christ Jesus, for the offer of forgiveness to all who repent and believe, and for peace with you, and for peace in us with our souls, and peace in this world that can only come from you. We thank you, Jesus. We also come to serve you, Lord. We know that you, with your unlimited power and resources, can never need anything from us. But we also know that it is your desire to work in and through us, your church, to be your witnesses in the world. You set the pattern, Lord, with the, the first disciples, your early church, when you told them to wait because you provide the, the means for, for, your, for your mission, to wait until they receive the power from on high. And so, Lord, in our fellowship, as we embark on a new season, we, we pray for that filling or refilling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we pray, Lord, that you will go before and prepare the way because you say you stand at the door and knock and that each individual needs to open the door to allow you in. We just pray that you will give every one of us the courage to throw that door wide open and so that you can pour out your spirit and fill us lord that it doesn't just wash over a closed vessel and drain away just fill us with our, our with your power we know lord that the, the plan and the timing is yours but we pray please make it soon we know too that you, your concern is for the whole of your creation and we bring to you now this, this, this suffering world. Everyone has been affected in some way by COVID-19. The global scale of suffering and mourning is beyond our comprehension. And we know that you share in these times of sorrow and grief. 
Whilst we thank you for the medical advances of bringing some improvements and making differences in some areas, Lord, we just pray for your divine intervention to bring this pandemic to an end. And as it interrupts our meeting together and the fellowship that we share, we know that there will be issues and needs amongst our own fellowship that we may not actually be aware of. So we bring to you now those known to us with a special need for your healing touch or your comfort. We think particularly of Neville and Amanda and their family. They've suffered so much loss and hurt in recent times. We just pray you will wrap them in your love and care. And Lord, because we know you are able, we are bold enough to ask for a miracle of healing for Neville. Lord, that you will restore him to full health. And we bring all those others to known to us that in spoken and unspoken prayers, just asking that you will reach out and touch every need that we're aware of. And we thank you, Lord, that through Jesus, we can bring you our prayers and know that you will hear us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And now, I believe, um, it's over to Claude for the first instalment of our, his message this morning, or a continuation of the last one. Claude will know what he's doing. I don't. <laughs> yeah, you're suggesting I know what I'm doing. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. You're the first person to say that to me. <laughs> so, good morning, everybody. Um, this morning, we're going to carry on with what we were talking about last week. We were looking, if you remember, at one Timothy, one and two Timothy, actually, and bringing out some salient points that we uh, concentrated on. Now, having set the scene last week, I just want to remind us of some things and then progress further. I'm going to talk for a quarter of an hour in the first instance, then there's a break, and then I come back later to complete uh, the talk this morning. Now, I just want us to be reminded that in the first instance, the book of Timothy is essentially to do with the absolute message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what Paul is doing, he is saying to Timothy, I want you to contend for this gospel. What is the gospel? Because I used to be one of the leaders of Youth for Christ nationally, and I was responsible for the whole of the north of England and Scotland and so on. And I came to a point when I was going around preaching that I got only one message. And I wasn't a, a man of many messages. I just had one message. And it doesn't matter how hard I tried, tried to be a teacher or a, an exponent of doctrine and so on, it felt inside that I was always talking about the same message. And yet today, after 50 odd years in the ministry, I come back to this one point. The core message is the core message. And whenever I've seen any success at all in any of my ministry, in any of my programs, whatever it's done in the churches that I pastored, 
there's only been true success as a result of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the true gospel. This gospel that God so loved the world. And because he loved the whole world, he gave his only son to live amongst us and to die on the cross of Calvary. The cross where he would defeat Satan and hell and purchase our salvation for every single one of us who will put our faith in him and trust in him for eternity and forgiveness of all our sins that they might be wiped free because on that cross he was paying the price and the penalty of compounded sin that was upon my life and I was part of. And when he rose again, he took it all away. I was free because I was persuaded by the gospel to place my trust in this mighty living saviour. To repent and believe. And essentially, that's the one message we have in the church. That's what we talk about. Whether we're expounding whatever we are from scripture, it's all centrally about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Take that message away from me as a preacher and I've got nothing to say. I really truly have, I know little about anything else but the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why do I know so much about it? Because it's impacted my life. It's changed my life. It's changed my family. We know that we are destined for heaven. And in Jesus Christ and through him, we are today more than conquerors. The gospel is all that we have to trade. Now, this letter of Timothy, well, it's just a letter. Now, I guess you've received letters, many in the days of letters. I have received many in the days of the letters of, of letters. I've received them from the banks, I've received them from solicitors, I've received them from antagonists who were not happy about me. I've received them from neighbours. I've received love letters from a girlfriend, not friends, friend, uh, before we were married. Some of them I opened willingly, some I left on my, the top of my dressing table or whatever for weeks before I dare open them, bills, and we've received many letters, some good, some bad. But this letter is a true letter from a friend to a friend, from a mentor to a friend. And I wonder what Timothy thought when he opened the letter and read it because it is full of strong words. He really got stuck into Timothy. Not because Timothy had done anything wrong, but he was going to hand over the church of Ephesus, that glorious shining church that we talked about, to Timothy. And what he was saying to Timothy is not congratulations, I'm handing this church over to you. He was saying, get stuck in and sort out the mess. Because things are not well in the church. So the whole letter and the concern for the Apostle Paul is the state of the church. And I and you, I, we're concerned about the state of the world. Yes, 
but we are concerned even more about the state of the church of Jesus Christ today. And is that church entrusted to us in safe hands? So this is from an overseer. The apostle is keen, he's got a voice, he carries authority. The apostle is an ambassador, a sent one. So it's from leader to leader. And the churches in Ephesus would read this letter because it wasn't one church in a building as we are. It was many, many groups all around Ephesus. So there could be thousands of Christians gathering together. And a stern word was needed. There were groups of churches and they're all managed by teams. And here's another interesting thing, that the New Testament knows nothing of a one-man ministry. The churches were led by apostles and by elders and by deacons. It was a team ministry and the church was a team. The church was part of the team. And so this team ministry is something that we know works. And Paul is going to sort out the teams in a minute. So this job that he's handing over to Timothy is no walk in the park at all. In fact, if it would offer to me, probably knowing what it was about, would say, no, thank you. Because that is very hard. It was sick. And if the church, the local church, is sick at heart, then whatever it does is sick. It's just, if I've got a sick heart, and I haven't got the best heart in the world, I have, I've had treatment for my heart, but when this heart giving me trouble, I'm very careful what I lift, how fast I walk, how far I walk, how I exert my strength. When this is sick, the rest of me is sick or manifests that sickness. And so it is church-wise. If there's something not right in our church, the church globally, nationally, if there is something wrong, then whatever we try to do that might be right is actually not well. And this, the resurrected Lord, when he spoke to the churches through John and he manifest, the things that he, he said, I see everything you do. I see every detail. And I know what you're doing wrong and I know what you're doing right. And I'm going to point this out. And God knows what we're doing right and God knows what we're doing wrong. So... Timothy, you're going to have to sort this out. You've got to tackle the issues of error in the church. And if you don't, you are complicit. So face it head on. Timothy is about 30. Paul from prison, we're not quite sure, but certainly reaching the end of his life because he will die soon. He's only in his 60s. And so, apostle to the apostles, uh, 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 disciple, this is my letter to you. Take care of the issues. Face them head on. 
I want you to contend and I want you, Timothy, to fight. I want you to deal with those who corrupt the gospel and who are profiting from the gospel. And they were false apostles in Ephesus. There were false teachers in Ephesus. And the Ephesus church, as we were saying last week, had a soft underbelly. It was kind of be embracing of everyone, but embracing also of other doctrines at the edges. And he's saying, don't let it live. Deal with it. And deal with the leadership. Sort out the leadership. Because the expectation of leadership was very high. In Acts, it says when they were choosing leadership beyond the seven, choose for the work of deacons, essentially, for the practical work, choose men who were proven to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Proven to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And I've been in churches, and I guess you have, and I've worked with church leaders, and we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it's incredible how many had discovered, actually, it's not on their radar. They actually think dispensationally, it passed. And how can the church become a church of the Holy Spirit and practicing in the works and, and, and the gifts and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit if we're not men and women of the Holy Spirit? Deal with the leadership and the expectations of leadership. He does this in Timothy. And deal with true doctrine. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Stop. Deal with the true doctrine. Deal with the prayer and intercession. And I'll come to that in a few minutes. Have I been going quarter of an hour yet? Near there, aren't I? No. Deal with intercession. I'll come to that in a minute. And lastly, deal with yourself, Timothy. Deal with yourself. 1 Timothy says, devote yourself, Timothy, to public reading, to preaching, to teaching. Stir up the gifts that you have. Give yourself wholly to them so that others will see your progress. Watch your life. Watch your doctrine closely. Persevere in it. So if you do, you will save yourself and others. I remember as a young man in my 30s, taking on a church, which surprised me, a church in Cheltenham where our headquarters was. And in that congregation, I probably told you before, they're all my ex, many uh, of <laughs> my ex lecturers in college. And here's a man with only one message. And all my lecturers were experts in theology. And I've got the general superintendent and the leaders of Elam all in my congregation because headquarters was there. And all the retired ministers as well, my congregation, because everybody seemed to gravitate towards Cheltenham. And, um, and so they are. And I've just been working in Youth for Christ. And there I am now, the senior minister. And I was totally, totally, totally out of my depth. And um, I thought to myself, how am I as a young guy going to lead people of more knowledge, more experience, older than I? I can't do it. 
And I used to read Timothy where it says, let no one despise your youth. I'd just been in youth work. Let no one despise your youth. How could I do that? And one of my mentors was in the church, John Lancaster. And John Lancaster, I've only had three mentors in life. He was one of my mentors. And he said, Claude, devote yourself to digging deep and go deeper. And Sue knows, and my family knows, because I've got young children living in Cheltenham. I went up into my study and I pleaded with God and I studied the word of God and I studied the word of God and I studied the word of God so that I could go deeper and deeper. At least when I ministered, I knew what I was talking about. And I had something to give and something to share because I was now, as a young man, the senior pastor of pastors. It was awesome. Deal with yourself. Because I give you this charge, Timothy. Preach the word. Be prepared in all seasons. It's for you to correct. It's for you to rebuke. It's for you to encourage with patience, careful instruction, because the days are coming when people will not listen to sound doctrine and they'll have itching ears and they will leave and go astray and listen to every, anyone who is the best communicator, basically. When I was a kid, I, um, about 11 years of age, I think, I was brought up in a Christian family and so we were taught not to fight. And uh, if anyone hit you, turn the other cheek and run away as fast as you could. And um, so we weren't an aggressive family. We were pacifists. I mean, that Christian family. When? And we lived in the posh end of the council estate. It was a big council estate. It's posh because they were the newest built council houses. But the older council houses was the rougher end of the estate. And my friend was on the rougher end of the state. And he decided that we were going to do some boxing. And so he built, and his dad did it for him, a boxing ring in his front room. Uh, not front room, in the front garden, sorry. And he got the ropes out and, and there was the boxing ring. And he decided, or we decided, in our little committee that I was going to be the contender. Now, I'd never fought in my life. So I turned up on the day and I turned up on the day all prepared for this fight. Having known nothing about fight, I asked my brother to teach me how to fight. He's my older brother. And he, so he taught me to fight. Now I went with all courage and I went to that boxing ring on that day to discover that there were lots of people from around, kids from around, were all gathered around the boxing ring and the fighter that they had got was the roughest guy on the estate who really could fight. So I was terrified now. Took my shirt off, ripped my shorts, they shoved me into the ring. And he hit me three times in the face. My brother had taught me to shoulder box. He didn't tell me that we had to hit one another in the face. After I'd been hit three times in the face, I was seeing stars. And I was what is it, what are they doing to me? And so I, I'm getting knocked left and right and in the corner. And this voice boomed out from my brother who was watching as my sidesman. What are you doing? 
fight, punch him back. And so I decided I'd punch back. And so like John Wayne, I start flaming my arms around, trying to hit him. He knocked me out. Even though I contended, he knocked me out. They dragged me out of the ring, everybody laughing. I'm bleeding from my nose. And going home, and my brother picked me up, I said, what did you, why didn't you show me how to fight? I said, I went into that ring. I hadn't got a clue what to do. I didn't even know he was going to hit me or hit me hard and do what he did to me. I said, who was the last person you fought? He said, I've never been in a fight. So I have a man who's never been in a fight teaching me how to fight. It's ridiculous. He's never been hurt. Here I am limping home, hurt and bleeding. Church, what I'm saying to you to do is if you're a contender as part of the team of the church of Jesus Christ, learn how to fight and learn how to fight from those who know how to fight. And when I'm talking about fighting, I'm talking about spiritual warfare. And the Apostle Paul knew how to fight. He'd been wounded many times and he was teaching uh, Timothy, Timothy, go into the fray and start fighting. And I'm going to show you how to fight. Don't step back. It mentions him being timid in, in, in Timothy 2. And there isn't an accurate translation of that word timid. But it, at its best, what it really means is don't step back. My Lord, the times I have stepped aside, the times I have stepped back, and have to be pushed forward. And he's saying, this is not the time to step back. And I say to us as a church, this is not the time for us as believers in the location that we are living to step back. We need to step forward. What do we need to step forward with? The gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the way and the truth and the life, the gospel of God, Jesus Christ. Come back in a few minutes. But one of the things that we've invited uh, everyone uh, in the church over the course of April is um, is to fast and pray. And we wanted to just each week bring a little bit of a, a thought around that, really, to help give us a bit of um, uh, a bit of guidance and uh, and something for us as a um, as a church family to really hang our hats on our thoughts and our prayers and as we seek to really align with the purposes of God and as we seek and pray uh, to God regarding uh, the future and so um, you're going to do a bit of a reading aren't you for a moment yeah. brilliant um, so I'm reading from Isaiah 58 verses 1 to 9 um, and I'm reading the message version Shout, a full-throated shout, hold nothing back, a trumpet blast shout. Tell my people what's wrong with their lives, face my family Jacob with their sins. They're busy, busy, busy at worship and love studying all about me. To all appearances, they're a nation of right-living people, law-abiding, God-honouring. They ask me what's the right thing to do and love having me on their side. But they also complain. Why do we fast and you don't look our way? Why do we humble ourselves and you don't even notice? Well, here's why. 
The bottom line on your fast days is profit. You drive your employees much too hard. You fast, but at the same time, you bicker and fight. You fast, but you swing a mean fist. The kind of fasting you do won't get your prayers off the ground. Do you think this is the kind of fast day I'm after? A day to show off humility, to put on a pious long face and parade around solemnly in black. Do you call that fasting? A fast day that I, God, would like. This is the kind of fast day I'm after. To break the chains of injustice, get rid of exploitation in the workplace, free the oppressed, cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. Then when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help and I'll say, here I am. These are the words of the prophet Isaiah and God speaking through Isaiah, particularly to the nation of Israel at the time. There were certain days where they as a nation, as a whole nation, would fast collectively together there's something about that journey beyond just the individual and being part of a community and essentially there's an invitation for us as a church family to fast at a certain point that uh, to our choosing we're not prescribing a day or a time in that sense but there's an invitation to the the action and the principles around fasting and prayer but what was going on in these verses well, I may unpack them next week as I focus particularly on fasting and, and prayer in, uh, in next week's message. But you get this playoff between true and false worship, authentic and pretending, playing the game, putting on a face, going through the motions. And we're not inviting that what we're inviting and it's not even a choice between uh, necessarily uh, fasting with uh, you know with food and it's not a choice between well do we fast between food and something else or do we fast in the sense of by our care and love for others that's not even the point of these passages but he is addressing the people of God he is addressing the condition of their hearts the core purpose of why they are fasting and praying. And he is addressing that this ultimately leads to action. That there's something where others will be cared for, where others will be loved, where this isn't just about you requesting something to get an outcome that you desire, but it is about embodying something of the will and ways of God. So why am I saying that this morning? Because in our invitation to fast over April, it is more than a religious transaction. It's not that. That's not the priority of prayer and fasting. It's not about a input to get an outcome. It's more than that. It's a response. In fact, in history, the responses of, of prayer and fasting were about bereavement, were about repentance and were about prayer. They were responding to significant events and changes that have 
happened in their world and in their tribe. So when we're inviting us as a church to prayer and fasting, it's about embodying, it's about giving. You know, we live really as Christian Christians uh, and this paradox really that of course, as we give, we also receive. That as we give up greed and self-indulgence that we are, that that is replaced with generosity toward others. That blessing comes through self-denial, that giving we receive and that by laying down our lives, we gain life. So as we as a church family pray and fast at different points in our own ways throughout April, we're doing it to align with the purposes of God and to embody the kingdom of God in a variety of ways. But it will lead to action. It will lead to the bursting forth of the kingdom of God beyond religious practices, as was the case the nation of Israel. So I'll leave that with us this morning as we continue in our journey of prayer and fasting over uh, this month and within that as well as the, God speaks to us. It's not just about us as a church family but actually within this it may well be that within our own lives that, that of course yes for the church uh, uh, as a community but then also individually as well that God will be of course will be responding to the will and ways of God through our prayer and fasting as well for our own lives so um so there we go I'll leave that there for for this week and and so then the gospel is essential that's the message we bear and the second thing which is essential is prayer and intercession and fasting that goes along with that. I, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the command of God, our Savior, and Jesus Christ, our hope, to Timothy, my true son in faith, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, the Father of Jesus Christ, our Lord, I urge you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus, so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command, Timothy, is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they're talking about or what they so confidently affirm. Chapter 2. I urge you then, first of all, by all petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving, be made for all people, for kings and those in authority, that we might live peaceful and quiet lives. Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting holy hands without... Uh, anger or disputing the gospel and prayer and intercession click together and go together very well and what he's saying here 
that prayer and intercession, Timothy, can change the situation. There you are in a pagan nation, prayer and intercession is the very heart of what you're doing. And I believe this with all my heart, that prayer changes our environment, it changes our situation, it changes our world. And I mean prayer and intercession. I remember that when I became the pastor of Western Supermare, Holy Trinity, we had not a penny, we had hardly any people, but the only thing that we could do was pray. And we used to meet every week and pray. And this is how we prayed. Because we believed in prayer and we taught prayer. And we investigated prayer. We prayed for every chair in the building, laid hands on everyone from chair to chair, every corner. We prayed over the platform where the gospel is going to be preached. We prayed over the Sunday school rooms, every space, every dark space, the kitchen. We sent people in praying, praying. We would see and we would visualize what we were praying for. So we would pray with vision. We would walk the building from front to back. We'd even pray over the preacher who was going to be preaching. We wanted the word of God. We wanted to be one people with one voice and one purpose. We knew that there would be a spiritual kickback. And there was indeed a spiritual kickback. So we prayed with one another. We gathered together and prayed protection on one another. And when God moved, we were not surprised that God moved. Because that's what we're praying for. Breakthroughs. Real miracles. We were not manufacturing uh, uh, victims and, and pandering to fragilities and sensitivities. We were wanting to recruit soldiers for the spiritual war. We wanted God send us people of spiritual authority and security and filled with salvation and a voice to come and fight for us. Fight for our children. Fight for our young people. Fight for this town. I remember on one occasion when we decided, this is when I was living in, was a pastor in, in, in Cheddar, and we decided that we would get a wagon and we'd take this wagon out and we'd have a procession of all the, the church behind us and we would go around Cheddar with the wagon and on the wagon we would be singing and there'd be worship music and uh, we'd take the wagon all around Cheddar. Then we went on to the villages around and had an evening celebration in an Anglican church or something. And then we ended up in Glastonbury. And in Glastonbury, we asked for all the church to come and join us on the tour. And on the top of the tour, we worshipped and we praised and we combated in spiritual warfare over the town. And then we went into the town uh, with the procession, all the people and the wagon and the music. And we went to the town hall and for six weeks we preached on spiritual warfare in Glastonbury. What I'm trying to say is this. All we had was prayer. And prayer changes things. Timothy, don't forget, prayer is the very heart. It will change the nation. Why is the nation in such a mess? Why are we in such difficulty? Maybe, is it maybe that the church haven't got together in serious prayer an intercession. I know that in our church, there is a prayer group, an intercessory group, and I know that they meet every every Sunday morning before the meeting. And, and thanks for that. That's absolutely great. 
And as intercessors, they're standing in the gap. They're fighting to break walls down. They're fighting that the, the, the kingdom of God might be expanded. They're, they're fighting for something that's in the heavenlies that's not yet realized where we are. Let me say something to the prayer group and to those who commit themselves to prayer within the church. Learn as much as you can about prayer, intercession and spiritual warfare. Be knowledgeable in it. Make sure that you are connected to and covered by the leadership of the church. Accountable to the leaders in all things. Under the supervision of the elders in the church. And pray with all your heart and soul with vision. Visualized specific prayers for mighty breakthroughs of the Holy Spirit amongst us in our church. That God will visit us in a new way. In a special way. In a visible way. That he will pour out. His spirit that we will who are so hungry for a revival of God amongst us reviving us there will be a revival of us within the church and pull down those identified blockages and strongholds in your prayers lift up the name of Jesus in all truth and worship and praise and prayer group be filled again and again, and pray for a fresh infusion and an infilling of the Holy Spirit upon your own lives too. And lastly, watch carefully your life, your speech, and pray for protection. And ask the leaders of the church to pray for your protection. Intercessors, prayers, you're the sharp edge of the battle. You're so important. Timothy. Give note, I'm urging you first of all that petitions and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all authorities. So I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands without getting into dispute. Holy hands. I learned very much when we were pastoring in Cheltenham. Two people came to visit us from America. They were old pe older people, about my age, I should think. And they were retired from their church. They had a successful church in America. And they felt that God called them to come to this country to teach us about prayer. And I had them come, this older couple, to my church. And they stayed with us. And when they taught on prayer, it was dynamic. And it opened my eyes, both Sue and I. And they stayed with us. And I could hear them upstairs praying fervently in tongues before any meeting every day and my children could hear them we could hear them and we learned so much for them and when they preached Marjorie particularly had an amazing gift of communicating her husband George was a real bible teacher but she had some special gift and and when they taught our church how to pray my goodness the meeting to go to after that was the prayer meeting. It was alive. 
it was powerful it was dynamic and you came away from that meeting expecting god to do the things that you're interceding for timothy teach them how to fight in prayer timothy deal with the hypocritical liars that have no conscience influenced by demons it says in chapter four have nothing more to do with them timothy the leaders require the very best from leadership men of the holy spirit living good clean lives timothy about the church of god i want the best i want quality expose everything that doesn't conform to the glorious gospel and the glories of our blessed lord and expose false doctrine and teach the truth when the church comes together as a team when leaders are leading the church and we are all together in attendance and i mean in attendance with our leaders they are looking out for us they are caring for us they are protecting us they are feeding us they are teaching us they are challenging us they are pastoring us they're assisting us they are doing what cannot be done on the internet they are doing what is becoming popular to watch youtube they are doing what you cannot do unless you gather together on the sabbath and whenever as the bible instructs us gathering together as a church is a powerful unit i'm running out of time Paul said, you're my true son, Timothy. And my prayer right now is that we will be a church of many sons and daughters. When I used to be in Youth for Christ, we did most of our Youth for Christ work in our front room. And that's where, when I lived in Westbury on Trim in Bristol, people came from all the schools I was working in and we would bring them back to our home one, two nights a week, regularly. And our house used to be filled with young people so that I could proclaim the gospel. I could do things I couldn't do in school. So many kids were saved. And I bumped into one who was living locally here not so long ago. I was walking through the street and she said, you're Claude Orrington. I said, yeah, I used to be, you're right. And she said, I got saved in your front room. When we came to this church in Western Supermare, we had no young people, just a couple. And we started in my front room and it grew and grew. And people brought the friends and the no Christian friends. We had a great time, but every time I would talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's where it became. My church in Cheddar, when I pioneered the church in Cheddar, it started in our front room with the young people. Why did we do that? Because I believe in spiritual legacy, sons and daughters that we produce. And we have in our church to produce 
true sons and daughters so that we can say, you are my true son, you're our true daughter. And we can school them and love them and parent them and bring them up. We can attract them and grow them. We've got to have a church for young people. The gospel is important for young people. Eventually, in one of the churches I passed, the Sunday school grew to, what, over 70. And I said to the people, why are we all going into schools, the team, going into schools, do not realize your mission field is right here with these children. How many of our children, every one of them have got to get saved? Fight for our young people. That's our mission field. And he said to Timothy, lastly, I urge you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus. Now, asking Timothy to stay, to stay was a big dish. It was like, how can I stay in Ephesus following Paul? How can I teach like Paul? How can I expand the scriptures like Paul? How can I lead like Paul? How can I pray? How can I be like Paul? I'm going to be compared with Paul, that fearless leader. No, I'm commanding you, he said, to stay there. Well, what about all the people in the city I've got to face? What about all the leaders? What if I do everything that you tell me to do to strengthen up and fight and expose all the mistruths and so on? I'm going to be, what about my family? I'm going to be hated. Stay. Don't move. Don't think about moving. Stay and fight. Stay because. And the reason I have stayed in the ministry, I tell you folks, like, like yourself, I've written out my, 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 my resignation more times than I can remember. Because sometimes the burden and the task, I'm not up to it. I don't feel I'm up to it. And I don't like not being liked. I have stayed these 50 odd years in the ministry. Why? Because I'm commanded by God. It's just the call of God that won't leave me. I'm commanded by God. Secondly, I wouldn't leave it because of my godly wife. Holds me in that place. And when I don't want to get up like this morning and preach, I've got my wife kicking me here and putting out the chair, sit on there and open your mouth and talk. I won't do it because of my children. How can that dad quit? How can I quit on faith? How can I quit on a call? My kids, I'm a watchman. How can I do that to my mentors? The influence of my life. How can I do that? How can I do that, my student friends? How can I do that? In front of my home church that sent me out all those years ago. Why do I do it? Well, Timothy, this is why you're doing it because Ephesus, this glowing church, still needs the truth. So why are we engaged in what we do in church? Why the worship band? 
involved in leading us in celebration and worship and praise and taking us to a high place, not a lower place, to a higher place. Where the praise in the church interceded and praying that we will be lifted up and do great exploits for God. Why? Because this great church still needs us and it still needs our voice. And, and Paul, no, not Paul, Timothy. Timothy, you're staying because I've given you the hardest place to stay in. We all want to go to the easy bits. If I was applying for a church, I'd apply, give me a good church. Give me a church of other, give me a church that can pay me a salary. Give me a church of so many. Give me a church that will give me a great pension. Give me, I'll give you the hardest church and stay there because God wants us in hard places. Church, these are the days for men and women of God to rise up. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a serious issue and it's been invested to you and I. Amen. We are coming uh, to the end of our service this morning. Um, but firstly, a few announcements. Uh, we don't have any cafe in the chat this morning, so you can go enjoy the sunshine. Yes. <laughs> Thanks to everyone for participating in today's service. Claude, uh, of course, thank you for your message and Tony and Sal and uh, Tony and Yvonne and all those that gave some feedback for uh, from uh, and John and James and Roz and the kids leaders today. Uh, I think Roz and uh, Rosie have been leading that. So thank you to everyone for participating uh, in today's uh, service. Um, as mentioned earlier, one last reminder, we've got Alpha starting tonight at six o'clock. Thanks to those who have signed up. Look forward to seeing you there. Um, next week, uh, next Sunday, Jim is speaking. Yeah. I'm hosting with somebody, so we'll see. I might be on my own, might be with someone. I don't know. Uh, what else? In May, we're uh, we're looking to be meeting back in person in some form, but there will be more uh, info on that towards uh, possibly next week or maybe on the first week of of May once um, once we're able to to pull that together for everyone. Um, and you were going to let us know about some meal prep. Yeah. So um. As you all know, Hannah and Demp are expecting their baby in May. Um, and as is a tradition at Connect, uh, we usually um, kind of get some volunteers to do some meals for them and stuff. So I would like to um, ask for some volunteers. Uh, I know it's in advance, but I like to plan. So um, if she you does would, like a plan, she likes a plan long term. If you think, I don't, obviously we don't have a date yet but if you think you'll be able to help with a meal or two um, we'd like to do it for two weeks so if you could text me or email me um, that would be great and then nearer the time we can um, sort out days and stuff yeah if I was doing that I'd probably be arranging it the day before um, yeah. and That's uh, why you're not doing it. quickly let's all cook um, something anybody anything uh, so yeah so you're coordinating that's great yeah. okay so we're saying bye to Facebook now. So yep. thank you for joining us on Facebook. We'll see you next week. Do you want... Well, we're saying cheerio to everyone. I'll stop the stream. Okay. Uh, have a lovely day. Enjoy oh, yeah. the sunshine, everyone. Great to see, see you. Sense. See All you right. next God week. bless. Bye.